This is HSBC Global Viewpoint, your window into the thinking, trends and issues shaping global banking and markets. Join us as we hear from industry leaders and HSBC experts on the latest insights and opportunities for your business. A heads up to our listeners that this episode is being recorded remotely, therefore the sound quality may vary. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the latest in our Reg Talks podcast series. We are featuring a variety of different topics that are currently trending in regulation, and now we explore AIFMD2. Introducing the topic is HSBC Security Services Senior Product Manager for Global Trustee and Fiduciary Services, Barry Sandeman. Barry, over to you. Thanks very much, Gabriella. So by way of background, in November 2021, the European Commission adopted a package of measures that deliver on some of the key commitments in the 2020 Capital Markets Union Action Plan. And these commitments included uh, enhancing the integration of capital markets, improving access to funding for EU companies, and also giving retail investors the potential for more diverse investment opportunities. And amongst the four proposals in the package was a review of the Alternative Investment Fund Managers Directive, AIFMD. So joining me to discuss this further and to explore the implications of AIFMD2 on asset managers and also um, the wider security services industry, I am very pleased to be joined by my colleague Helen Slater, also Senior Product Manager for Global Trustee and Fiduciary Services. Thanks very much for joining me, Helen. You're very welcome, Barry. Helen, as we can well recall, uh, the alternative funds industry in the EU went through some real change to bring in the necessary measures for AIFND ahead of it coming into force. And that brought with it really important additional protections for investors. Helen, why is it necessary to review AIFMD now? Well, Barry, I think it's important to start by saying that AIFMD has generally considered to be a success story by the European Commission. It's increased investor protection and has certainly developed a more coherent regulatory framework across the EU. What this review is doing is it's the standard post-implementation review that was laid out in the original regs and forms part of the significant Capital Markets Union action plan, as you noted. Since the emergence of AIFMD and indeed USITS 5, it is clear that there's a similarity between both rule books. The only areas of divergence really are what can be invested in and who the target investors are. As a result, the Commission has taken this opportunity to address improvements to both sets of rules while maintaining the appropriate investor protection requirements. Thanks for clarifying that, Helen. And that makes sense that they're going to review uh, both sets of regulations concurrently. So what are some of the examples of the areas that relate to both sets of regulations? Well, there are two main proposals here, Vari, liquidity management tools and the issue of delegation. Okay. And Helen, did the need to look at liquidity management tools come to light as a result of the recent pandemic? Well, yes and no, Vari. The pandemic and recent events in Europe are, part, are examples of market stress, but liquidity management tools are quite often used by managers as part of their regular investment management process. What came to light during the pandemic is that not all member states had similar rules in place, so there was no consistent application of liquidity management tools and therefore no consistent dealing with the market conditions. What the Commission would like to do now is to level the playing field with the aim of ensuring that all member states permit a minimum standardised set of liquidity management tools, such as limited redemptions, fund suspensions and side pockets. 
There are, however, some challenges in the drafting. The Commission wants managers to notify local regulators each time they use a liquidity management tool. And this could potentially be a real burden, as whilst fund suspensions are a relative rarity, swing pricing and dilution can be used with some frequency. And there are questions as to whether that this will be practical. There are also some suggestions that regulators themselves may intervene during times of market stress and instruct managers to invoke the use of such tools. This would reduce the flexibility of managers to suspend and resume trading dependent on the particulars of their own funds. And while regulators can take a cross-market view, it's arguably the managers who are best able to see their own fund flows and assess the individual characteristics of their funds. Thanks, Helen. That'll be really interesting to see how those proposals around liquidity management tools develop then. Now, turning to delegation, which you also mentioned as another aspect of the review relating to both regulations, and which has been in focus since the UK's exit from the European Union. What are the Commission's proposals here? It's well documented, Vary, that letterbox entities have been prohibited for many years, but the precise definition of substance has been less clear cut. What the draft regulations do is lay down some prescriptive substance requirements into, in order to ensure appropriate levels of staffing. At least two full-time employees should be located in the EU. There are also some requirements for national regulators to report to ESMA the levels of delegation to countries outside of the EU, particularly where those tasks are more risk or portfolio management focused. Initially, it had appeared that the Commission was suggesting that larger proportions of risk and portfolio management had to remain in the EU. An association such as the UK's Investment Association has suggested that rather than focusing on the quantity of activity delegated, the priority should really be ensuring that risk management, governance and oversight practices employed within fund management companies are appropriate irrespective of the final locations of that activity. Recent trade body feedback, however, has indicated that it isn't actually the intention of the rules to prevent or restrict delegation outside of the EU, which is good news. OK, thanks, Helen. That's definitely one aid to watch the year then. Now, you've mentioned two aspects that relate to both sets of regulations. Shall we move on now to the AIFMD specific matters raised in the draft regulations? I understand there's some interesting proposals relating to loan originating EFs. Yes, that's right. Loan originating funds are not new. There are varying approaches taken across the EU, with some countries not permitting them at all. Loan originating funds can serve as a shock absorber when liquidity is constrained by continuing to provide loan financing when more traditional lenders have pulled back from the market. What the draft wants to do is to create a common framework. The rules include risk management and diversification requirements, conflicts of interest and certain investment rules. For example, an AFM will re be required to retain 5% of the notional value of a loan where such loans are to be sold on the secondary market. There are also additional rules included in the draft in relation to closed ended dates, where the portfolio of loans makes up more than 60% of a fund's NAV in order to address the potential long-term and illiquid nature of the loans in such funds, loans which will ultimately reduce the liquidity available to meet redemption demands. As we know, redemptions in closed-ended funds are limited due to the fixed number of shares in issue. And the Commission notes that being closed-ended should help managers to ensure that investors are able to redeem their shares while still investing in a relatively liquid product. Thanks, Helen. That does sound like a really important uh, proposal then for investors. Now, moving the conversation along, what does AIFMD2 hold for us in the security services industry? Are there any proposals in particular we should be considering? Yes, there are a couple of things here. 
Firstly, the proposal to bring financial instruments held at central securities depositories into the depository liability regime. Lobbyists are currently seeking clarity as to whether both issuer and investor CSDs will be brought into this regime. There are some challenges here for depositories if oversight of market infrastructure becomes a requirement. Deposit depositories won't be able to perform certain due diligence requirements, and it may not be possible to receive some of the required reporting, but we'll have to wait and see. Thanks, Helen. We'll definitely be keeping a close eye on this then as it relates to depository. What else does AIFMD2 have in store for us? Well, the depository passport finally makes an appearance. On the whole, this would allow a depository in one member state to offer its services in another member state without the need for additional authorization or presence. What I would say is that the proposals at this stage don't yet go that far. What AIFMD2 does is promise a middle ground. In the short term, jurisdictions with little or no depository presence in their home market will be allowed to permit a depository in another EU state to provide AIFMD depository services. I should probably make it very clear at this point that this does not currently extend to the USITS market. This is good news for smaller EU jurisdictions with a developing asset management industry who want to be able to avail of the benefits of the single market, but whose industry is currently not scaled to do so. On the whole, the longer term outlook for depot passporting remains quite polarizing. Some states are really keen to have a model which will bring about economies of scale and access to a wider market of clients, for example, but other countries are more cautious, preferring instead to maintain the status quo. It's an interesting debate and one which the Commission has committed to reviewing in 2027 or 2028, as it really does remain one of the areas which isn't quite meeting the Commission's intention to have a single market in financial services. Thanks, Helen. That'll be really fascinating to see how that plays out then. Is there any indication in what direction the UK might take, Helen? And could you maybe also just outline for us what the next steps are for the proposals so in terms of the negotiations and the potential effective date? So in terms of the UK, we're still waiting for clarity there, really. Although I understand that the UK's fund industry bodies are awaiting feedback from HM Treasury in relation to how the proposals will be taken forward. The next steps for the AIFMD2 draft, however, is that negotiations are currently underway, and it's anticipated that the final vote at the EU Parliament's Econ Committee, which deals with economic and monetary affairs, will take place the week commencing the 26th of September 2022. The transposition deadline, however, is yet to be confirmed. That's great. So it's going to be really interesting uh, to see then how these proposals progress, Helen. Thank you so much for joining me to explain the AIFMD2 proposals further and to explore the implications for asset managers and uh, to the wider security services industry. And of course, we'll continue to closely monitor these developments and keep clients appraised. As usual, clients should follow up with their HSBC representative if they have any questions on this topic. Gabriella, back to you, thank you. Thanks so much, Avery and Helen. That's been really enlightening. I would like to thank you for listening to this edition in our series of Reg Talks podcasts. We hope that you enjoyed learning more about the AIFMD2 proposals. Stay tuned for more from our podcasts as we explore more trends in the coming weeks. Thank you for listening today. This has been HSBC Global Viewpoint, Banking and Markets. For more information about anything you've heard in this podcast or to learn about HSBC's global services and offerings, please visit gbm.hsbc.com.